The following program deals with military and veteran issues. All comments and opinions expressed on this show are those who made them. They do not reflect the opinions of the Church of Satan or Radio Free Satan. So on with the show. Welcome to the official Infernal Legion podcast. I am your host, Reverend Jeff Bowling, commander of the Infernal Legion, and I'm joined, as always, by my grumpy yet lovable co-host, Reverend Dwayne uh, Burns. How are you, Rev? I'm great. Well, thanks for being with me, man. You look a little tired today. Yeah, storms are out. I'm having some pain today. Ended up back in the hospital since our last uh, since our last uh, get together. And you know, I'm just feeling it today. Yeah how how uh, how did everything turn out with that hospital visit? Uh, they just put me on a a higher higher dose of water pills and then put them on a regular uh, regiment. Okay. So my, kind of my feet look like my my feet look like fucking Frankenstein feet. <laughs> I mean they they look like I mean they look like somebody put stuff. Cement cinder blocks on my feet. I, they're just. Can you still walk and everything? Yeah, it hurts to walk. Uh, I I know. Uh, Alyssa keeps telling me she says the way your feet they look horrible. I said, oh, but they feel so good today. You know, other <laughs> days, other days they hurt like hell, and you you just can't walk, or or they. They they feel numb like uh, you know you sleep on your arm in bed and they feel numb mm-hmm. that that numb feeling when the blood's rushing back yeah. at the needles but um you know I told Doc about all that shit and he says I'm good so I'm not diabetic none of that so just doing what I got to do I got about fifteen different pills I'm taking in the morning. Yeah, you got a whole cereal bowl full of pills going. Oh God, man! <laughs> well, I'm still happy you're with us, though. That's that's what's most important. Well, what do you think, man? This is a sinister scuttlebutt episode for the month of July, 2023. Should we just get into it? Yeah, why don't we check out uh, the uh, remains, the 80 year old remains? All right. So this was one you sent to me before we started. Well, the show. I, I thought it was a nice, I thought it was a nice feel good story. It looked good. You know, yeah, that's an interesting story. Not being sure. able to find people. All right, so this article comes from military.com, uh, titled "Nearly 80 Years After Going MIA in World War II, U.S. Soldier Accounted For." A U.S. Army soldier from Massachusetts reported missing in action while his unit was involved in fighting against German forces in Italy during World War II has been accounted for. The military said, "The remains of Private Wing Oham of Boston. I hope I didn't butcher that name." were identified in April using both anthropological and mitochondrial DNA analysis. The Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency announced Tuesday. Hom, 20, went missing in February 1944 during fighting near the town of Cisterna di Latina, south of Rome. A member of Company Bravo, 7th Infantry Regiment, 3rd Infantry Division, Hom's body was not discovered and he was never reported as a prisoner of war, officials said. He was officially declared dead in February of 1945. A set of remains recovered near the hamlet of Pontarotto, about three miles west of 
Cisterna di Latina, could not be identified and were ultimately buried in the Sicily-Rome American Cemetery in Natuno, Italy. Those remains were disinterred and sent for analysis and identification in 2021 after a a DPAA historian studying unresolved American losses during the Italian campaign determined they possibly belonged to Hom. Hom will be buried in Brooklyn, New York on October 11th, the DPAA said. So this is, it's a really interesting story. Because I think a lot of people have this notion, World War II was a long time ago. Hell, the Korean War was a long time ago. So people have this notion that that everyone's come home, everyone's accounted for, we know where everyone is. And I think this kind of sheds some light on the fact that we don't. And there's a reason that POW MIA work is so is still so important. Yeah, I mean, up until, up until the point of finding Hom, he could have been the one that was in the Unknown Soldier tomb. I mean, you know... Right. He was certainly represented by that tomb for a long time. And Absolutely. As our, and people scoff. Uh, I remember uh, growing up, people scoffed about plot lines in movies like I think it was Rambo 2, where he had to go to Vietnam and, and found the POW camp still operating. Like, that stuff really does happen. Not the movie, obviously. The movie is over <laughs> but But there are, you know, there are still... I still love... I still love how he shoots M seventy nine law M seventy two A two law out of a helicopter while he's flying it right. with the with, or, with uh, the crews with the crew seats full of people or hit firing the uh, the M sixty <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but no there there are still there are so many soldiers and service members in general who were either taken POW or killed in action and we just never found their body. All over the world, everywhere we've had a military conflict. And this is, I mean, this is in Italy. Italy is now a, uh, an ally of ours. Uh, we have military bases in Italy. Americans go to Italy all the time. And out of nowhere, here comes this unidentified soldier who'd been missing for 80 years. So yeah, if you ever see someone doing a drive for POW MIA stuff, be sure to, to toss them a few bucks. But it's an it's an interesting story, and I'm glad that his family finally has some closure, and that he's going to be buried where he came from, instead of in a foreign country, <laughs> not knowing. In October. In October, yeah. In That's October. interesting too. That's what I was saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know we're we're not just stumbling upon this story; it's been out there a little bit. Uh, right. So they said they, they got the remains back in in 2021. Now I know right. DNA testing takes a long time. I know that, but uh, and the longer the longer the body, the older the body, the longer it takes. Yes, we right, know that right. carbon dating, all that. But, but it's, um, it does seem like a long time for the remains just to be hanging out in the labs, <laughs> especially if they're sure that there is. Interesting story. This episode is brought to you by the Warlock Emporium. The Warlock Emporium is creating bespoke items for the chosen few. The Warlock Emporium is the only authorized seller of items bearing the Warlock Sigil, created by Magister Dr. Robert Johnson, author of The Satanic Warlock. The Warlock Emporium is now offering a 15% military discount. Visit thewarlockemporium.com for more information. Well, let's jump into our next feel-good story, because uh, this is one that I sent, and I was was actually very uh, happy to read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would. <laughs> this one also comes from military.com. Military couple at center of lawsuit challenging porn restrictions in state law. 
Done. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting story. <laughs> Elizabeth Henson just moved to Louisiana in June with her husband, an active duty Coast Guardsman. Of course, it's the Coast Guard. Like many couples, they watch pornography on major websites like Pornhub to keep the marriage spicy. By the way, this episode's brought to you by Pornhub. <laughs> Sometimes together over the phone. If not, we've given a plug for him. Right. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Magister Harris a few more plays on his uh on his clips of <laughs> Quote We'll watch a video together on the phone, get some of that steam blown off, and maintain that sense of intimacy. Henson, who served a decade in the Coast Guard herself, told military.com. This is one of the ways that we can keep that intimacy alive in our marriage. In Louisiana, a state law passed in January requires users to verify their age on pornography sites using a driver's license or other ID through a third-party government website to verify that the user is at least 18 years old. Henson does not have a Louisiana state ID. Like many military spouses who move around frequently, she kept her driver's license from the last state she lived in. Instead, she chose to go through the hurdle of paying for and installing a virtual private network, or VPN, a tool that effectively tricks websites into thinking the user is in a different location. To maintain access to websites, she describes as helpful to her marriage. She either had to pay for the workaround or pay for a new ID, both of which, she argues, are effectively attacks on her and her husband's sex life. While Henson found a way around the law, she felt compelled to try and change it. She is a plaintiff in a lawsuit working its way through the court system. The suit filed in June by the Free Speech Coalition, an advocacy group for the adult industry, argues that Louisiana's age verification law violates the First Amendment. Henson and the other plaintiffs have asked for a preliminary injunction blocking the state's law while the case proceeds, and the state was ordered by the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Louisiana to file its objections to the hold by July 17th. The state was also tasked with filing paperwork supporting its effort to dismiss the case by July 10th, though no document has appeared in the court's electronic system by publication time. As news of the case surfaced after its filing, Henson's name began to appear in reports across the country as one of the two individuals suing Louisiana. As a military spouse, the ID requirements are particularly problematic, she said. I'm not supposed to have to change my residency or my driver's license or my car registration every two to four years. That would be a huge financial burden, she said. Porn is just a key component of being human and being an adult. So I'm going to stop there. I agree with everything she just said in that last quote. And I had this argument online when I first found this this article. I had this argument with another vet in a totally different place. It is unrealistic to require someone from another state to get an in-state ID in order to buy alcohol, buy tobacco, buy a gun, or do any of the things that you can do as an adult anywhere in the United States. Now, we can get into, and I want to get into, the idea of requiring an ID to watch porn in the first place. That's a different subject from what I'm talking about at this moment. It's stupid. It is stupid as hell to require a military spouse to get an in-state ID in order to watch porn. She doesn't need an in-state ID to buy booze. She doesn't need an in-state ID to buy smokes. She doesn't need an in-state ID to drive her car. Why would she need one to watch pornography? Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's dumb. What do you think? I think that's dumb. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) And she can't use use her federal ID either because... Once right. you once you have copied that federal ID, you've committed a federal offense. Right. You you cannot take that ID and copy it onto a piece of paper or anything like that. That keeps people from from counterfeiting. Right. So, you, so she you can't can use a federal ID. 
Nope. She can't use her um, out-of-state driver's license. State of and, origin. And and based on what I'm reading of the lawsuit, it sounds like she couldn't even use her passport. She right. has to have a Louisiana ID in order to do well, it. Well, it sounds like Louisiana needs to fucking put up a waiver or something. Yeah, especially, and, and it talks about this a little bit later on in the article, but Louisiana's not a small state for the military. There's a lot of military stations in Louisiana. There's Fort Polk. Well, I'm sorry, Fort Johnson, formerly Fort Polk. There's a naval base there's an air there's two air force bases and there's three coast guard hubs uh louisiana is packed with military and almost every member of the service does not have an id from the state that they're stationed in. it's just not a thing that you do in the military nor should you and the same goes for college students college students don't have to have an in-state id how many kids are attending lsu well, okay using the word kids is probably wrong in this context <laughs> <laughs> How many 18 to 21 year olds are attending college at LSU and have out of state IDs because they don't have to transfer it over either, just like the military. And now they can't watch porn. Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous to me. Now, the lawsuit itself, I think, is challenging the entire law. And I think you kind of have to do that. I'm not exactly sure how that appeals process works. Um, but if there's something a specific part of the law that you disagree with, you have to challenge the entire law. Because it sounds like what she's really disagreeing with is the fact that they're ordering her to have a Louisiana ID or pay for a VPN in order to watch pornography, which I agree with. The law as a whole, I honestly don't know. I haven't read the whole law. I know Dwayne and I sometimes butt heads when it comes to political stuff. I'm not a big fan of giving the government a bunch of private information so that I can rub one out real quick. But I understand that they don't want children to watch pornography and that could be a way to help prevent that maybe i'm not really convinced (laughs) (laughs) so what do you what do you think about the law in general the idea of requiring an id to watch porn online i think it's somebody trying to get into office is what it is they put out something quick and a law that was quick and not thought out very well and they just here you go let's do this put it forward and See if we can't rack up some votes. Right. And you're probably absolutely right. You're probably absolutely right. (laughs) Just didn't think about it real good, you know. Think about. Right. Well, and that's the way they they push a lot of things through. They just won't somebody think of the children. Oh, sure. I will. I'll vote for it. (laughs) People are dumb, stupid animals. (laughs) They are. They are. The state's law, which went into effect in January, aims to make it difficult for children to access pornography. In practice, it mostly impacts the top pornography sites, which are the most likely to worry about compliance, one being Canadian-owned Pornhub, show brought to you by Pornhub. The site is the 12th most visited in the U.S. I'm hoping they'll give us some money, with some metrics showing it outperforming Netflix and Amazon. Not surprised. Not surprised that Pornhub outperforms Netflix and Amazon. (laughs) American companies. (laughs) (laughs) The adult company, which also serves as an umbrella for other major pornography websites, argues that viewers will simply go to niche sites, which may be less secure and have more extreme and sometimes illegal content. And that's a legitimate concern, too. Pornhub is big business, right? Uh, they're, They're going to comply with any law that you put into place. They may challenge it in court, but they're going to comply because they make millions of dollars and they want to keep themselves in that position. But if I can't you know, if I'm a, a 16-year-old horny little kid and I can't get onto Pornhub, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to find my porn. And I might end up somewhere where it's stealing personal information, copying anything that's on my computer, installing a virus or malware, or showing me something that's 
outright illegal. So that's, I mean, that's a legitimate concern. Or getting the child to do something that is outright illegal. Yeah, there's that too. There's the whole, yeah, grooming and, and trafficking angle to think about as well. Yep. So it's it's an interesting case. Now, I don't know how Louisiana's court system works, but I have a feeling that if this is appealed to the federal level, it will the law would be overturned. Because to me, it seems like a clear free speech issue as far as legality is concerned. You would think so, but here here we go with my political again. <laughs> you, would, you would think so, but the, the, those southern Christian states, they turn around and put a lot of that garbage in there and don't pay a lot of attention to what the laws are going to say or that's what true outcome to a law could be it's more it's more religiousized than politicized that's true but if a federal court overturns it Pornhub will just stop enforcing it and effectively it's good to go <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. A spokesperson from Pornhub said that, unfortunately, the way many elected officials have chosen to implement these laws is haphazard and dangerous. And that, that speaks to exactly what you were saying earlier when we when we first started talking about stop to talk about this. They're just slapping shit into a bill and passing it through legislation without thinking about any of the uh, the outside issues that it might concern. Like we mentioned, Louisiana has a huge military and a huge college student population, not to mention out-of-state contractors and all that stuff that every state deals with. I guarantee you not one of those legislatures ever even gave a second of a thought to how that might affect someone out of state who has an ID, but not pork only Louisiana. Politi- pork barrel politics in the South? You don't know. No. <laughs> 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 I do. I, I also think it's really, it's fun. To me, it's fun, right? You got to use what you got. You got to use yes. the, the, the stuff at your disposal. And so it makes this what would ordinarily just be, um, you know, a divisive, you can just say like, uh, oh, this this section of, of political thinkers is going after this law because, that, of course, they're going to. That's what they do. And this section's trying to block it because, of course, they are. That's what they do. But the second you enter a military couple into it, it changes the dynamic of the story. And it makes more people pay attention. It made us pay attention. Of course, that's kind of our job. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I can see why she's taking the lead on this, because if her old man is still active duty, he's not allowed to make any comments either way. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And that's why so he wasn't interviewed, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. her old man can't say nothing about it. That's interesting. I'll also be interested to see if how many other people might join the lawsuit. You know, it's uh, more people, the more money, the more attorneys, the better chance they have. So we'll keep you up to date on the pornography situation in Louisiana because <laughs> we are a wholesome satanic podcast and that is what we do. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Underworld Amusements. Since 2007, Underworld Amusements has been creating, producing, publishing, and distributing curious sundries and callous broadsides. From the Satanic Scriptures by Magus Peter H. Gilmore to Might is Right, the authoritative edition by Ragnar Redbeard, Underworld Amusements is your source for the most dangerous books ever written. 
Visit underworldamusements.com for more information. All right, so let's get into our next major story before we uh, take a break and pipe in old Magister Adam Campbell. This one comes from the Military Times. VA lays groundwork for first major survey of moral injury in veterans. Now, I'm sure you're already asking yourself, well, what is a moral injury? We're going to tell you. The most familiar moral and ethical dilemmas in warfare have to do with inflicting harm, deciding whether to fire on a person who represents an uncertain threat, for example, or living with the knowledge of civilian collateral damage in battle. Marine veteran Peter Lucier, Lucier, I'm butchering that name, (laughs) (laughs) who served on active duty from 2008 to 2013, has lived through and written about these kinds of quandaries. But as a civilian working with the volunteer-run organization Team America Relief, to evacuate former U.S. military interpreters and their families from Afghanistan (laughs) during and after the U.S. military withdrawal and Taliban takeover in 2021. Someone has got to teach these journalists how to use commas. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just laughing at I was just laughing at the Team America. America. (laughs) After the U.S. military withdrawal and Taliban takeover in 2021, Lucier experienced another kind of moral conflict deciding whom to save. Over the course of one night in August 2021, Lucier said he and a few other veterans within the organization were tasked with filling 40 seats on an evacuee bus with women and children who represented the neediest cases they managed. It was wrenching, emotional work, forcing Lucier to pass over some Afghans he knew and cared about to evacuate others he believed were more at risk. Why do I have this power, he recalled thinking, as the men debated late into the night which left which lives to save. That was a difficult, hard thing and made all of us feel really gross, Lucier said. A few hours later, the veterans would learn that the bus had been retasked and filled with children from an orphanage, making their evening heartbreaking choices irrelevant. The episode was representative of a hidden and enduring cost of war, moral injury, or the aftermath of circumstances that force a person to participate in or bear witness to events that contradict their own moral beliefs and expectations. The military withdrawal from Afghanistan spurred a new rash of moral injury diagnosis. As troops and veterans questioned the meaning of what they had fought for and grappled with the reality of Afghan allies left behind and in danger. While not new, the phenomenon of moral injury and its implications are understudied with very little scientific research. The Department of Veterans Affairs is now working to lay the groundwork for better understanding and treatment by undertaking the first ever large-scale population study of moral injury to be conducted among veterans of the post-9-11 wars. According to a solicitation published in June, the VA Office of Research and Development plans to conduct a mixed method study to determine the U.S. veteran population prevalence of moral injury. I can tell you right now, VA, that's going to be high. That's going to be a super (laughs) high number. The research effort will include an online survey of a nationally representative probability sample of U.S. veterans, expected to include 3,000 respondents and a secondary comparison study in which 20 veterans who identify as having moral injury and 20 who do not, all with similar exposure to morally injurious events, participate in a series of interviews about their thinking and experience. Okay, so again, what do they mean by a moral injury? It's basically the PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or ethical dilemma that a service member has to face once they have to do something that goes against their personal convictions in, on a battlefield. I wanted to talk about this not only because it's a new VA study, and I know many of our legionnaires out there suffer from especially PTSD. Also, it raises interesting questions considering the, I guess you could say, moral relativity of the satanic philosophy that we all adhere to. Warfare is not a pretty place. 
Bad things happen in war. We all know that. We've all either had to take lives or watched our friends, our allies die in front of us, or both. As the uh, Marine was speaking earlier in the article, he had to decide who lived and died, basically, by who was getting on that bus, only to find out in the end that they changed it all over and his opinions didn't matter anyway, even though they had tasked him with that difficult mission. Vietnam veterans struggle with this a lot. Now, this this uh, research is only going to affect post-9-11 veterans, but Vietnam veterans suffer a lot from so-called moral or ethical injury. Everybody thinks they know what they're getting into when they sign up for the military, especially if you've seen the movies or the TV shows and you listen to your recruiter, you think you know what you're getting into. And sometimes when you first arrive, go to basic training slash boot camp, depending on what branch you're in, it can kind of line up with what you expected. But the second you go to combat, it is nothing that you've ever prepared for. It changes you. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you react to things. It uh, it changes your behavior with yourself, with your coworkers, with your family. It changes everything about it. And a lot of that can be traced to this idea of a moral injury because especially Western, we are taught simple things, very simple things like murder is wrong, right? Murder is wrong. Murder is bad. Murder is illegal. Then they put a gun in your head, in your hand, slap a, a flag in your arm and tell you to go murder people. And you have to reconcile that. I'm reminded of an old story out of the Roman Empire. Most people, I don't think, know that Julius Caesar, one one of the many things that he was infamous for, was being a veterans, a proponent of veterans. Before he took dictatorial power, he actually fought with the Senate to get veterans' rights, including paychecks and things like that for people who were no longer serving in the imperial military. And I don't have the quote in front of me, but so I'm going to paraphrase this, but he famously said one time that veterans should no longer be be allowed inside of Rome. They should be given farms and vineyards and a place that they can live in peace because those people cannot be reabsorbed into society. This is Rome. This is ancient Rome. And even back then, one of the the most well-known warriors in history recognized the problem that a so-called moral injury can have. All right. I've been dominating the mic. Dwayne, tell me what you think, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're good, man. You're good. You're on a roll. You got good information. I got no problem with it. Dominate away. No, I, um, <laughs> you're, 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 you're totally correct on the, on the, uh, Vietnam moral injury, uh, portion of it. I mean, I know they're only going to do post 9-11 studies, but, um, yeah, they, they, if they would have, uh, figured this stuff out for Vietnam vets sooner, Maybe more could have been done or can be done. Right. And I, I still think that vets. even even at the even though this is only post nine eleven vets, I think on the heels of whatever they discover, that can still be applied back. Grandfathered. Yeah. Or grandsoned in this in this Right. Yeah, grandsoned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I've noticed and um you can tell me what what you think about this as well. I've noticed that especially running the Infernal Legion and dealing with satanic vets every single day, basically, I think even though a lot of us suffer from PTSD and a lot of us had to wrestle with these same problems overseas, I feel somehow that we are better at processing this stuff than non-satanic veterans. The reason for that, I think, lies in that sense of moral relativity that's kind of embedded in Satanism. I'm not saying that Satanism tells you, you know, it's okay to kill people. Obviously, that is not true. Anyone who's read the Satanic Bible knows that. But Satanism does doesn't balk from the idea that the world is a brutal and violent place. 
and that you sometimes have to do what you have to do in order to survive. I think it's even a quip that gets thrown out quite often. Uh, survival is the highest law in Satan. Right. And so I think mentally, because human beings are informed by their religious beliefs, and there's been countless studies that show how those beliefs can even rewire the brain in certain cases, I think that going into warfare knowing that it's an amoral place and doing what you have to do to survive just makes sense to a Satanist, where it may not to, say, a Christian. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. So I would I would be interested. They're not getting very many people, obviously. They're only going to research 3,000 people. But I'd be very interested if any of our Legionnaires end up as a part of this research to see what it's like and kind of, I don't know, how they answered the questions or, you know what I mean? You know, they, they get to be part of that. They're probably going to have a whole shitload of paperwork to sign to say they won't say shit until the completion and everything else. That's a good point, yeah. Because you are going to have a lot of non-disclosure yeah. there. And, they, and it's going to take probably a decade to actually unpack all that research and, and right. develop studies and publish them and whatnot. But it would still be interesting to see what that process is like and how a Satanist responds to it versus, like I said, a more mainstream religion like Christianity or even a Muslim would respond respond to it. Though I think the Muslim probably wouldn't have many problems with moral conundrums and warfare. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, I don't I don't know. It's it's a heavy topic. Right. Because, Dwayne, you've said this before. You you did an interview on a on a podcast once or you were interviewed on a podcast once where they asked you um, if you ever had to kill anybody. We talked about that, that experience privately. But even as Satanists, that's a, a question we don't want to answer. It's like we don't want to talk or, about. It's like asking a woman her weight or age. Right. So even even us. And, and again, Satanists have strong moral codes. Well, what's it's just that we I most, have, you know. Well, the thing I can't understand is what's the difference if I have or have not killed somebody? What, do, what right. does that do for you informational-wise? Is that going to make you think differently of me? Right, and in some cases it could be a trap. Why you need to know? Exactly. In some cases it could be a trap to get that idea of you. So, yeah, Satanists have strong moral codes. It's just that all of us individually forge those codes by what serves us best, and we recognize that no matter what the populace pays uh, lip service to, they're all doing the same thing. And so there's that individualism aspect to this uh, to this problem as well. But like I said, all of that aside, all, all of us, at, at least every Legionnaire that I've spoke to who served in combat has some level of of post-traumatic stress disorder. Just because we we are, I think, stronger and better able to deal with it doesn't mean we don't have it. And that right. could be societal ethics, maybe, at play there. I'm not really sure. What do you I think? think? I think it has uh, to do with the whole life upbringing. You know, whatever whatever you've been brought up in. But I mean, you know, just whatever you've been brought up in, whatever your family's been brought up in. You you can only be taught what your family knows. If your family don't know shit, you ain't gonna know shit. That's a good point. A lot, most of religion is a family tradition, so to speak. It's passed down through the from the grand great grandparents yep. to grandparents to parents to kids, which is something we as Satanists also strongly oppose. But you're right. Most of us grew up in the same environments that you know everyone else in the United States grew up in, and so whether or not we have a philosophical understanding of how the world actually works, we're still influenced and informed by what we were raised with. That's a really good point. I have my points at times. 
<laughs> you have your moments, right? <laughs> I have my moments. The Department of Veterans Affairs Boston Healthcare System will be leading, taking charge of this study. They'll be um, assisted by Boston University and uh, some visiting physicians from other universities and hospitals around the country. And like I said, I'm interested to see how this plays out and what they learn. So uh, we will definitely keep you informed on this. But there's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack the idea of moral injuries. And maybe we'll do a longer episode just about that at some other point. We'll see. In the meantime, I think I want to take a break. How do you feel, Dwayne? Uh, <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right, let's take a quick break. Get some commercials from Radio Free Satan in here. And when we come back, Magister Adam Campbell will walk us through the allegations of the military being woke on episode two of his segment, The Tower. Stay tuned right here on the official Infernal Legion podcast. This episode is brought to you by Duffel Blog. Read in the Pentagon and around the world, since 2012, Duffel Blog has been the most trusted news source for the American military. Duffel Blog is the first and only satire newsletter devoted to the United States military community. Visit duffelblog.com for more information. Why start your mornings early when you can sleep in late and wake up later to a freshly brewed cup of Radio Free Satan? Radio Free Satan is infernally roasted with a complex taste to suit your indulgence. It's sinful. That's why it tastes great. So pour yourself another helping of this podcast and others at RadioFreeSatan.com. Welcome to the Metro. Your host, Reverend Jeff Ivins, brings you a weekly time trip back to the 1980s with songs from the decade of decadence. Only on Radio Free Satan. Hail Satan. This is Reverend Gene, the host of Voxatane, exclusively on Radio Free Satan. Join me every week as we indulge in the classical side of music spanning the past 1,000 years. Voxatani has already featured over 700 composers covering medieval, baroque, classical, romantic, and contemporary music, including chant, choral, opera, keyboard, and orchestral music, with composers ranging from Gluck to Gilmore, Bach to Bellevance, Talis to Taverner, and Paganini to Pert. Get your weekly recommended dose of classical music right here on Voxatani, only on Radio Free Satan, with me, Reverend Jean. Hail Satan! soldiers while we're out here you will be taking all commands from the tower and i am the tower do you understand yes welcome to the tower your dose of military news delivered with an infernal edge my name is magister campbell and today we are discussing the u.s military pinned down by republican fire on wokeness now this is from barons.com and it's written by Frankie Taggart on July 13, 2023. 
When the U.S. Army released a recruitment ad showcasing a female soldier who had been raised by two mothers, liberals saw military leadership comfortable in its own skin and strengthened by the diversity in its ranks. But conservatives cringed at what they perceived to be a woke fighting force, weakened by effet generals with a liberal political agenda and a compulsion to virtue signal at the expense of combat readiness. Quote, holy crap, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz said in a tweet, reposting a video contrasting the 2021 commercial with images of a macho, shaven-headed Russian warrior, sinuous arms bulging as he performed push-ups and fired his weapon. Quote, perhaps a woke, emasculated military is not the best idea, ventured Cruz before blasting Democrats in the media for trying to turn U.S. troops into pansies. The 52-year-old Texan, who has also dismissed proposals to allow women to serve in combat roles as nuts, is not alone in his ire. The clarion call over wokeness in the military has galvanized right-wingers nostalgic for an era before public life was hijacked, as they see it, by authoritarian progressives seeking to force leftist values on Americans. Republican lawmakers, who took control of the House of Representatives this year, have been locked in a war with Pentagon leaders they accuse of being overly fixated on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Racial justice education and an obsession with climate change have made the troops go soft, they complain, driving a recruitment slump that has worsened under President Joe Biden. This disdain for military leadership has seeped into the Republican grassroots from Donald Trump, who has given multiple speeches since leaving office, railing on, quote, weak and ineffective generals, more concerned with political correctness than fighting their enemies. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Trump's main rival for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, has claimed that China is laughing over a supposed fixation with pronouns in U.S. military leadership. Meanwhile, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin got into a shouting match in the House last year as a far-right congressman accused the former four-star general of allowing the Pentagon to embrace socialism with mandatory pronoun training. The examples of this kind of criticism are legion and damage U.S. security, according to Milwaukee-based political analyst Risa Brooks, who argues that the attacks are often absurdly vague or rely on facts that turn out to be untrue. Quote, they undermine the military's internal cohesion, public oversight, and distract Congress and the American people from serious national security problems, all while addressing a problem that is poorly defined and mostly unsubstantiated the Marquette University professor wrote in a recent commentary. Those who have long seen these attacks for what they are, more performative partisanship than substantive critiques for real problems, should do more to counter them effectively. The main event roiling Washington this week has been the Pentagon's budget, enacted with cross-party support every year since the early 1960s and usually without drama. Under its new Republican leadership, however, the bitterly divided House is using its power over the purse strings to focus on wokeism in the military and force policy changes. Lawmakers have been debating dozens of amendments to the $886 billion defense policy bill on so-called culture war topics, from abortion policy, COVID-19 vaccines, and racial diversity to medical treatment of transgender troops. There are proposals to block or reduce military aid to Ukraine, end the removal of Confederate names from bases, and defy White House climate edicts, and others that have nothing to do with the armed forces. There's no chance of the bill getting through the Democratic-led Senate with the conservative provisions intact, but compromise will be required to get some kind of package to Biden's desk to keep the military funded. 
Meanwhile, the normally stoic military brass has begun pushing back, putting their top officers armed with cold hard facts that refute some of the more political attacks targeting them. Army Sergeant Major Michael Grinston told Republican lawmakers in March that a fraction of the hours the military spends on training are devoted to equality. Quote, when I look at it, there is one hour of equal opportunity training and basic training and 92 hours of rifle marksmanship training, he said. Chief Master Sergeant Joanne Bass was asked about pronoun training in the Air Force recently and had to explain that there is no such thing. And Marine Corps Commandant General David Berger said in a public forum in December, wokeism was not a big concern among the rank and file. Quote, I don't see it. I don't hear it. They're not talking about it, he told Reagan National Defense Forum. All right, so here's my thought. First and foremost, this is just partisan theater. That's all this is. Republicans are doing everything they can to make sure their donors see them as fighting for the conservative rights. Fighting in a, a, a world where conservatism is, is being pushed down by the liberal communist agenda. It's all lies. But that's what their donors want to see. And so these puppets have to dance their little marionette asses to those strings. So before we talk about this, let's just define woke because everyone seems to pretend it means something that it really doesn't. Merriam-Webster's definition of woke is aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, especially issues of race and social justice. That's it. It's being aware of social issues. That's it. It is not maneuvering political bodies manufacturing law it's not changing anything it's just being aware that there are actual racial and social issues in our world that's it so all of you assholes out there who are complaining that wokeism is taking over america you sound like the assholes that you actually are not only are you stupid and i would say ignorant if you weren't already informed by multiple people in different areas what woke actually means. They, they use it as if it's some sort of bullet they can attack their enemies with and murder them. Oh, they're woke! No. It shows you of being the ignorant asshole that you actually are. Every single one of you. And everyone listening to this, if you're in their keyboard warrior typing on your social media page about, Oh, wokeism is destroying America! You're an idiot as well. Okay, so now that we understand the actual definition of what woke is, no commercial changes policy. Do you understand that? If there is a commercial that represents a portion of the community that the military is trying to target, saying, hey, you also can serve your country, that does not mean that that is the only group that they ever talk to. They're simply trying to get bodies. That's it. As soon as you understand that, then you realize that, oh yeah, I guess the military is very much like any other recruitment corporation. They want to target people to look at their product, which is military service, as favorable. And so they need to target people who are right now not interested in serving their country. That's it. They're selling a product. So they have to speak to the people that they're targeting. It's called demographics. All right. So the commercial does not dictate policy first and foremost. 
and the quote virtue signal at the expense of combat preparedness is a complete red herring. It has nothing to do with each other. Virtue signaling, I agree, is annoying as shit and people suck, whether they're on the right, the left, in between, or on extremes. Virtue signaling is something people do when they have no substance to themselves. However, you cannot virtue signal at the expense of combat preparedness. It doesn't even logically make sense. Combat preparedness means training, preparing equipment, going over battle plans. It has everything to do with actual action. Virtue signaling is you being an asshole saying, hey, I stand for conservative rights. Damn the woke agenda. That's virtue signaling. But even that that I'm against has nothing to do with combat preparedness. So Ted Cruz says that this is somehow emasculating our leadership and emasculating our country. Ironic coming from Ted Cruz, who was emasculated by his great MAGA leader over and over and over again. He has this backward thought process, which is poison to rational thinking, that somehow anyone except for men cannot serve in combat roles. That's Ted Cruz's perspective. Well, guess what, Ted Cruz? There are men who are pussies, who are bitches, who are incapable of standing up and fighting. Some of them are in the military, and I would argue you're one of them. Now, just because you're a dude does not mean that you're ready for combat or ready to kill someone or die for your country. So if there are other people out there, whether they're trans, gay, queer, you fill in the nomenclature that you hate. And they're willing to stand up, fight, and in worst case scenario, die for their country? You should be welcoming them with open arms, especially when you then, on the next side of your fucking face, complain that we don't have enough people coming into the military. You're pushing them out, you dumbass. Give them an opportunity to serve, and people will serve. That's how this thing works. So the right-wing ideas of public life has been hijacked, as they see it, by authoritarian progressives seeking to force leftist values on Americans. And they're not entirely wrong. And look, I am not a right-wing person. Far from it. But the left has really sort of gone off the fucking... They've, they've jumped the shark. Like, you can't, you can't pretend like there aren't groups in the left that take their, their uh, progressive talking points into militant areas. E equally on the right. And so it's not like this, this side does it, that side doesn't. But you do have to recognize that if there was no political agenda by leftist groups in order to sway public opinion, then the right wouldn't be reacting this way. So yes, they do exist. Yes, pronouns, in my opinion, are virtue signaling. If you come and meet me for the first time, say, hi, my name is X or Y. You don't have to say, hi, my name is X or Y, and my pronouns are X or Y. No, that tells me that you're a virtue signaling asshole. You tell me what you want me to call you, and I will call you that. If I make a mistake because I assume you're one gender over the other, simply based on ex experience and uh, appearance, correct me and I will adjust fire. That's all. 
You say, no, no, she. I'll say, okay, she, her. It doesn't matter. But don't stand up and open with that. It's the same as if you came up and said uh, any of your political opinions. Hi, my name is X. I stand for the right of blah, blah, blah. No, that means you're an asshole. (laughs) So it does. I understand why the right is freaking out. First of all, the right is freaking out because their old ideas of suppressing portions of this country, the population, are now out of style. The whole sudden strategy, the whole racism and bigotry, that's all going the way of the dodo, and they're terrified because that's the bread and butter of the Republican Party, and it always has been. You can't argue that. So yes, they're getting afraid because they're losing in the global political social sphere. But the problem is is that they're thinking of it as losing rather than, oh, we just have to adapt to the time that we're living in. You can't live in a modern age and use Stone Age technology. You can't live in a modern age and use Stone Age medical uh, concepts uh, using leeches rather than uh, uh, antibiotics. You have to adapt to the time that you're living in. That's the benefit of living in modern times, is that you learn from the mistakes of the past and enjoy reaping the benefits of the advancements of the past. Simply because someone likes to fuck whoever they want to fuck and likes to be identified however the fuck they want to be identified and may or may not want to serve in the military has nothing to do with politics except for when the Republicans bring it into the political sphere and actively stop progress so that they can show their donors, hey, look at me, I'm a defender of conservatism! You're an asshole. All right. So it is possible the public's lack of faith in the military is not due to wokeism. It's possible that it's due to the right wing constantly condemning the military every single opportunity they get. We have an ex-president, Donald Trump, who is actively in speeches all the time talking shit about the military. Do you think the reason why people don't like the military nowadays or don't want to join it is more because you are constantly saying how horrible and stupid and failing and and losers they are? Maybe that has some impact on whether or not people want to join it. Because again, we live in a time, as we always have arguably, it just seems to be a little more heightened lately, where you have to take a side. I'm in this camp and you're in that camp and we cannot meet in the middle. We must fight! Right? That's exactly what people do when it comes to the idea of joining the military or not. What does my side think about me engaging in X or Y activity? Should I go to a rally? Well, I don't know. My, my side doesn't like that rally or that, that, that cause. I, I should stay home and not, not be a part of it. Or maybe I should go and and protest that rally. Should I join the military? Oh, I don't know. My side doesn't really like it. Uh, I don't want to be out on my side. Uh, I'll just uh, not join the military. Those are ridiculous talking points, but those are actual thoughts that run through the fucking herd's mind. I'm hoping no one listening to this has that running through their mind. But it's out there. It's real. So this is nothing but political theater intended to distract Americans from Congress's inability to do anything substantive for their constituents, i.e. the American people. 
Do you ever wonder why there's always a new cause du jour to rail against? Isn't that weird? When nothing is actually being done to help the American people, rather than us standing up and fighting and arguing, demanding that Congress do something to improve our lives, instead of doing that, we're focusing on the military training woke ideology, which doesn't happen. There's zero evidence. But hey, as long as there's congressmen shouting about it, well, let's talk about it. It's an echo chamber of idiocy. And I want nothing to do with it. All right, soldiers, that's all I have for you today. Comedy, I can hoop. In 1966, Anton LaVey created the Church of Satan, marking the beginning of the Age of Fire and Year One Anno Satanus. In 1969, he published The Satanic Bible, codifying Satanism as a religion, the first time it's been done in human history. In the name of Satan, ruler of the earth, king of hell, come forth from the pit, bestow the blessings of hell upon us. For we are your children, and we invoke thee this night. In 2001, I was appointed High Priest of the Church of Satan. In 2007, I published the Satanic Scriptures, further defining and expanding on Satanic philosophy and greater magic ritual. Hail Satan, full of might! Our allegiance is with thee! Cursed are they, the God adorers, and cursed are the worshippers of the Nazarene eunuch. For the past 50 years, the Church of Satan has stood as the sole organization to define and defend Satanism as a religion. And though pretenders to the infernal throne have come and gone, we have stood the test of time and will into the future. Visit churchofsatan.com for more information and read the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures. Knowledge is the solution for ignorance. Hail Satan! By the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, including sections 121 and 12304 of Title 10, United States Code, I hereby determine that it is necessary to augment the active armed forces of the United States for the effective conduct of Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the United States European Command's area of responsibility. In furtherance of this operation, under the stated authority, I hereby authorize the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Homeland Security with respect to the Coast Guard when it is not operating as a service in the Navy under their respective jurisdictions to order to active duty any units and any individual members not assigned to a unit organized to serve as a unit of the Selective Reserve or any member in the Individual Ready Reserve Mobilization Category and designated as essential under regulations prescribed by the Secretary concerned, not to exceed 3,000 total members at any one time, of whom not more than 450 
may be members of the individual ready reserve as they deem necessary, and to terminate the service of those units and members ordered to active duty. This order is not intended to and does not create any right or benefit, substantive or procedural, enforceable at law or in equity by any party against the United States, its departments, agencies, or entities, its officers, employees, or agents, or any other person. Signed, Joseph R. Biden, Jr., President of the United States of America, July 13th, 2023. Well, what does that mean, folks? It means a whole lot of people who weren't on active duty anymore are getting ready to go back to active duty and head on over to Europe to assist Ukraine in their war against Russia, or Russia's war against them, to be more accurate. Long-time listeners will know that many episodes ago, when all this started, we gave a timeline of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Occasionally, I've been popping little updates in and out during the episodes, but we haven't really talked about it a lot since it started. There are American troops on the ground around Ukraine, and there are a select few inside Ukraine specifically teaching their military how to use the the weapons that we've been giving them. The order that I just read from the President of the United States does not actually specifically tell anyone that they are going in back to active duty. It gives the Secretaries of Homeland Security and the Secretary of Defense the ability to send those orders out. It's very likely that some of you listening to this are going to receive orders as well. Not me. <laughs> well, that's Not that's because you were a truck driver in the yeah. army, Dwayne. <laughs> oh, boy. you know what? You can eat. Oh, oh. Well, that was not my choice. I was OJT'd into that son of a bitch. That's right. You initially went in as communications, right? Yep. 1989. So you may be listening to this and going, what the hell is the Individual Ready Reserve, the IRR? When you go to enlist into the U.S. military, no matter what your contract stipulates, you are signing up for an eight-year commitment. Now, you could get contracts as low as two years or as high as eight years on your initial contract, depending on what your MOS is, needs of the military, what you're willing to sign. But no matter what part of that you do, you have an eight-year commitment to the U.S. military. The most common scenario that happens every day in the military is that someone goes into their recruiter's office, they sign a contract for four years of service. The extra four years of that eight is spent in a program called the Individual Ready Reserve. Now, the Individual Ready Reserve is not like the traditional Army, Air Force, Marine Corps Reserve. In fact, it's almost nothing like it. You don't have to go to drills. You don't have to uh, do PT. You do have to maintain a healthy body. You can't You're get supposed, any... Yeah. You can't get any tattoos or anything that are in violation of UCMJ. You got to keep yourself physically, morally, everything else up to par. Supposedly, supposedly, uh, but this yeah. is you know. <laughs> you do have to keep your uniforms, and you do have to keep them in good working order. But basically, you just check in once a year, and they make sure that your paperwork and address is updated. They might give a, like a, a blood test if there's, you know, like during COVID, they were giving IR guys blood tests to make sure they didn't have any of that going on. But for the most part, you're just living your life. You're out. You're, you're living your civilian life. However, you're still in the reserves. You can be called to active duty. And that's essentially what just happened to 450 individual ready reserve members, most of whom don't know who they are yet and also 3,000 selective reserve members. Now, the selective reserve is a little bit different from the IRR. Same concept, but it's entire units instead of individuals that have been stepped down. They may 
drill one week in a month just depends on like a civil affairs unit for example doesn't have standard drills but they're still a unit and they can be called up as an entire unit that's an example of a selected reserve unit so altogether 3000 troops just got called to active duty and will be going over to Europe to get even more involved in this Russian Ukraine thing surprise not a big fan of the idea of World War III, but here we are. It's not clear what these units and, and individuals will be doing, and it probably won't be clear until long after the fact, long after they're done, because everything's moving fast and everything's trying to be kept close to the to the chest. But as anyone who's ever served in the National Guard or the regular reserve forces knows, it is difficult to balance civilian and military life. That's even harder for the individual ready reserve. I want to I want to state here, and I'm sure I'll reiterate this throughout the next little bit of, of all of this conversation. There are things that you have to do in order to make sure that your family is okay. You know, your house is and your car is going to be okay because you are getting ready to deploy. So if you receive your activation orders to the IRR and you need assistance with setting up a family care plan, who to talk to about storage, who to talk to about loans, things like that, please reach out to us. We are here to help. If we don't know the answer, we'll find the answer. If we've already found the answer, we'll tell you the answer. So let's dig into what Operation Atlantic Resolve is, because that's what all of these troops are being called up for. Operation Atlantic Resolve is a coalition operation between essentially all of the NATO countries, a handful of non-NATO countries, and Ukraine. And it's obviously in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It is funded under the European Deterrence Initiative, which was set up after Russia's 2014 invasion of Crimea. But let's be honest, it's funded by the United States. Basically, it ha- it's, a, it's a two-pronged approach. On the one hand, they are strengthening the perimeter and air defense defenses of allied countries in and around Ukraine. And two, they are providing direct assistance to Ukraine. And by direct assistance, I want to be very clear that I mean training, food, weaponry, money, They are not fighting Russian soldiers in Ukraine yet. This is what we are sending these reservists into. So if you check your mail tomorrow and you see a call up from the IRR, (laughs) chances are high. I'm going to kick Jeff's ass. (laughs) He puts a boogie to you. (laughs) That you're going to end up somewhere nice like Italy or, you know, Germany, somewhere like that. Most likely just Romania troops. There is a small chance that you might actually be put in Ukraine, depending on what your MOS was or is, I should say, now that you are back on active duty. (laughs) This applies to individuals, as I stated earlier, that still have time left on their eight-year commitment. It also applies to specific MOSs that are, when I was in, we called them star MOSs, but they're like super technical, super skilled jobs that you can't easily train a new soldier to do. And it applies to certain retirees. Usually the retirees are either special operations or officers that could be called back in for this. Which are usually Um, the people that have the six-year commitments. Right. So that's kind of... A look out of what to look forward to for those of you who might be on this list. And I know I'm thinking specifically of three legionnaires who do qualify MOS-wise for that, but I don't know if they'll be called up or not. 
You know, we're only talking about 3,000 people overall, and of those, I think, what was it, 500 are IRR. So they may not even get called up, but it's something you need to be on the watch for. Make sure you're talking to your contact, whoever that contact may be. And like I said, if if you need help with anything gearing up for this, let us know, and we'll do everything we can for you. Dwayne, why are we sending soldiers into this shit again? (laughs) Uh... We don't know anything better to do. I don't know, man. I don't know. We're bored. This is made up. The reason we have to do this, or I should say not have to, because that's the wrong word. We don't have to do any of this, but they've chosen to do it. The reason that they've chosen to do this is is because of a few issues. One issue I want to get into on a future Sinister Scuttlebutt episode is the recruiting crisis. And I know Magister Campbell kind of talked a little bit about that, but regardless of the cause of the recruiting crisis, There is a recruiting crisis. Every single branch, including the brand new baby Space Force, is having trouble recruiting new service members. There's a huge retention issue. So we can't keep troops. And then on top of that, we're spread so thin. And I know I say this in almost every episode of the podcast, but the global war on terrorism never ended. We still have, I think the last count was 20,000 troops stationed across the Middle East and in Northern Africa still fighting the global war on terrorism. Just because we pulled out of Afghanistan doesn't mean that war ended. So we're spread too thin. We can't keep troops in and we can't get new troops to sign up. And so as a result, now 3,000 people who were sitting on their couch watching Netflix are going to have to put that damn uniform back on. Watching Pornhub. <laughs> watching Pornhub. That's right. This show is brought Our to you by sponsors. Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a little fired up about this. I'm a little upset. <laughs> That's when we do our best work. Right. <laughs> so, Dwayne, what do, you, what do you think about all this, man? Let's talk about the IR. And, and do you have any advice for people that may have to do, you know, some paperwork or some family planning now? You are the VSO, after all. Just don't panic through it and don't rush through it. Anything worth doing is worth doing right the first time. Just get the get the paperwork. Get yourself going. Find somebody, if you don't know what you're doing, find somebody who does and have them get you through it. Better to have all your ducks in order than to be standing out there with your dick in your hand. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I, I should also point out this is this is not the draft. So these are no, not. Um, this is why we don't have a draft. Right. This is this is one of this the reasons. This is a program why, initiated yeah. why we don't have a draft is why we uh, have the IRR. So the the bonus of this not being a draft is that we're not talking about random Joe Blow civilian now having to to go through a shortened version of boot camp and, and head overseas. That's not that's to a, say that's that that our positive. government will never do that. <laughs> right. That's not to say um, that that will never happen with, you know, you, you said World War Three. We're not there yet, but. Uh, getting damn know. close. We're, we are treading that water <laughs> well we we hit the old wwii i believe there probably will be a draft oh yeah for sure. yeah but so you know that's a positive is that we're not just talking about random civilians we are talking about people who have been through training who understand their jobs and right now we're talking about a very small number of of the total reserve forces the negative of this though is that because it's not a draft you don't get out of it by being a college student working for the government in another capacity about the only way to get out of an irr college up, especially for those of you with very specialized jobs, is to have a, a grievous medical issue that would make you no longer fit for service. Or to be a newly found conscientious objector. Right. <laughs> it's not too late to convert. <laughs> so find Jesus or Buddha or whatever, or uh, or have a grievous medical 
incident. That's the only way you're getting out of this call up if you get it. And I know we're making light of it and we're laughing and I'm sure you are too, but I'm also sure that you're very nervous, you know, especially if you just got out, you just started up college, maybe you just had got married or had a kid and now you thought you left all this behind you and all of a sudden they're knocking at your door. Like I said, come to us for anything help you need with paperwork or anything like that. But also just reach out to any of your Legion brothers and sisters if you just need to talk, just vent. Because sometimes that helps, you know, and we've said it before and I'll reiterate it till the day I, I'm gone. Our VSO over here, Dwayne Burns, is a fucking monster, man. That phone is on 24-7. He is always there to help if you need him. And I give my personal number out to people. Most people won't do that. I do. I'm just lonely like that. <laughs> I, just, I just want some human contact. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get, humans. <laughs> well... For now, that's all the updates I have on this uh, individual ready reserve and selected reserve call-up. I'm sure we'll be getting more information by the time we do our next Sinister Scuttlebutt episode. I do believe everything is good to go for a Wicked Warrior interview in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for oh, that. Goody. But in the meantime, Dwayne, do you have anything else? I have nothing. All right. Well, until we do this again, hail Satan. Hail Satan. There is a new veteran crisis hotline number. If you or a veteran you know are experiencing a crisis, please dial 988 and press 1. Once again, that is 988 and press 1 when prompted.